serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. This is Sir Gene, and I am joined by Sir Ben today on our brand new podcast. Is it time? Should we I think be? it's time. Yeah. Just two good old boys.com. Yeah, we've even got a theme song that we need to put in that's something. Yeah, well, we time. need to get that finalized for sure. So this is our uh, let's call this the the first episode of the new podcast, but we'll call it episode zero. That mm-hmm. way we'll have the theme song and everything plugged and ready for the next one. Cool, man. Yeah. So what's different about this podcast versus what we were doing on Sir Gene? Well, one is Ben's computer is chiming. That's the difference. <laughs> Usually he's a lot quieter than that. He yeah. feels a little looser now. No, that's my my new phone trying to get it set up. Oh, you're setting up your phone while you're doing the podcast. That's so fresh. Oh, oh. man, who orders groceries? On? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's time for me to do some grocery ordering while we're on the podcast as well. So Ben we met up in person. Yeah. You know what? For the second time ever. Yeah, for the second time. We've been doing this show for like years and years now, but we've only met up twice. And it so happened that I was driving near and I said, hey, do you want to meet up, get a coffee or something? And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, I know. It's a great Middle Eastern place. So I ended up meeting up with him in a, it was an Iraqi restaurant, right? Yep, the guys that sounds very, very conspiratorial to me, how we're meeting up in Iraqi restaurants. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, we're out of Iraq now. It's not, you know, it's not post 9-11. It's not enduring freedom. So, you know, I think we can avoid Gitmo. Yeah, well, and honestly, there's a lot of Iraqis that got out of Iraq when the U.S. got out of Iraq because they didn't want to stick around since they were working as translators for the U.S. Mm-hmm. There's well, actually quite a few of those guys. Yeah, the the owner here, he came over, uh, you know, because I'm I'm a social person, so I talk to him. Mm. He came over actually before we went back in in 2003, and uh, interesting guy, Christian, you know. That's his name? No, he, his religion. Anyway, interesting guy. So he came over before the initial Iraq invasion? Correct. Interesting. So what was he doing here then? Running restaurants, moved over, wanted to get out of Iraq. How do you immigrate from Iraq as a restaurateur before the war? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I I need to, I'll have to dig in. You have to probe a little deeper because that sounds very efficient to me. I mean, if he was an engineer, that would make total sense. A lot of people went from Iraq, Iran to the U.S. to study and then stayed. But as somebody in a not particularly high wage profession, like restaurant business, I'm sure unless he just came over as a refugee. And unless the, it's a front. You know. But there were no refugees from Iraq. Uh, sure there were. Uh-uh. Not officially. Mm. No. Well, we, I'll we have not, to ask him. Yeah, you'll have to ask him. Because I, I'm very curious about that. Because that's... Unless he waited for like three years in the lottery pool or something to get a, a permit to immigrate or something. But that's, that's, that's interesting. Usually, it's easier to come from a country that the U.S. has already invaded... <laughs> there are much more lax restrictions Indeed. on that. Yeah. Uh, um, if we're rebelizing you, sure you can come over. Well, I, no, I mean, going all the way back to Vietnam, that was the case. Mm-hmm. Any country that we're, we're fighting in, typically there are, I don't want to say automatic, but essentially automatic lifting of restrictions on people moving to the U.S. from that country. Well, at least far less restrictions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, I mean more opportunity. Like, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm still... 
wondering when the Mexico invasion is going to happen. <laughs> Just make it official. Just go ahead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> if it's not us, it's China, man. They're making moves in Mexico. Oh, China's making moves all over the place. Forgiven, mm-hmm. They've forgiven quite a bit of debt yes, from I African read that in countries. Africa. Yeah, and, and, and using great PR to point out the fact that the U.S. has never done that. And, but that said, you know, more on war with China, Jap- Japan just changed their military authorization so that they can have longer range weaponry. So they're going to be getting some missiles that can now strike into China. That is going to end so badly. Japan is officially moving off of its defense only stance. This is the way Japan has been since the end of occupation after World War II. Yeah. And they're changing. Yeah. This is, I, this is probably worse an idea than anything happening in Europe right now because China has a very not just China mind you but China for sure has a very China and Japan have a little bit of a bad Uh, history yeah uh, well I would say Japan has a bad history in China because that it it wasn't that long ago that Japan was invading China it was way longer ago that China was invading Japan so I think of all the different places that China would not hesitate to nuke, Japan is one of them. There would be no tears spilled at the total annihilation of the island. Yeah. China doesn't see Japan as a place to conquer and occupy. China sees Japan as people that are parallel to Nazis. Well, and, you know, Imperial Japan, and this actually goes to Taiwan as well, Mm -hmm. you know, the when when imperial japan decided to invade china first they took over taiwan and basically you know the was used yeah, as beachhead. the unsinkable aircraft carrier yep. to beat them up with and you know china obviously didn't have much of a military at the time anyway so exactly but yeah it's yeah that's that's a very bad move for japan that's it's kind of like boris johnson like doubling down at every opportunity against Russia, while at the same time saying that there may not be fuel for heating this winter for England. You, you mean like encouraging the Ukraine to raid the Russia nuclear power plant while international inspectors were there? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's a brilliant idea. <sighs> but and and not just once, wrong. but twice. Doing two yeah. raids during the time that the inspectors the first one as they're arriving and the second one while they're there yep yeah brilliant yeah with the idea being that they were going to demonstrate that they were capable of kicking out the russians and taking full control back and then of course once the inspectors were there they would say well yes it should stay in their hands mm. i mean who comes up with this shit it must be some kind of crazy cocaine fueled uh, crazy oh, thought happening man. there well, I mean, it's just, oh my God, it, it's it, it's so bad. It's it, if you don't laugh, you're gonna cry. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. it's comic relief at this point. It is a poorly written movie of the wick of the wick of the week, not John Wick. No, those are pretty well written movies, I think. Yeah, for where it, they are. Yeah, I I haven't watched any of the John Wick movies. Really. No. Have you watched any of the YouTube videos of Keanu Reeves on a uh, gun range? No, I know he learned to shoot for that movie or something. But... Oh, dude, I'm going to send you links. He is Not that you super... don't send me links all the time. <laughs> I know, right? He's super impressive. Yeah. Like he is 
very, very good. He's very fast, very accurate. He, for, like, I think he's kind of, he's used guns in other movies, and I think he was always kind of, you know, oh, he wasn't we, anti-gun, let's put it that way. Come on, didn't you see his amazing gun work in The Matrix? I mean, man yeah, can exactly. dodge bullets. Yeah, and his amazing gun work in Bill and Ted. But I think that he... He really took it to the next level and he kind of started pulling more of a Tom Cruise with like, no, I am going to be the guy that actually knows how to do this shit for real. I want to do my own stunts. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Or at least my own shooting. And there's a funny one with him and and Halle Berry because, you know, she was also in that movie. I guess the trilogy or something now. Honestly, I've only watched them like while on airplanes. It's not a movie I would go out of my way to watch, but I'll watch it. So that means you've seen like. I've seen like six. Yeah. I've seen, I think, about six different flights. I've seen enough of it. Do you, of do you actually uh, see? I turn off the in flight entertainment stuff as soon as I can. I, it's on I'm, my iPad and is doing everything through your own devices now. Yeah. I mean, so is United yeah. and everything's moving yeah, yeah. away from the screens. And then yeah, you've got it's your so much cheaper stuff. for them. And you have a better quality screen. Yeah. I mean, obviously. And it's so, just, yeah, mm. it's a server with movies on it on the plane. Yeah. And you pick your own movie, and so, but they are providing Wi-Fi while flying for a hundred plus people, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for a fee, nominal fee, so not everyone's using it. Sure, sure, sure. That's true. Yeah, probably at any given time, maybe a quarter of those people, maybe twenty-five. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I typically don't get the why. I, first of all, I just always have an audio book or something. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, or a you're flying Southwest. No, no, no. I fly United. Oh, okay, Thank good, you. good. Yes, yeah. I just I can't. I don't understand people that fly Southwest. I honestly I, don't. I same here, man. It's like, I, hey, I'm I'm gonna go from here to Los Angeles. I'll just take a Greyhound. Exactly. Why? Why would you take a Greyhound? <laughs> oh, but, but man, you know, people the people who love Southwest love Southwest. But I just don't I know a lot of people it. with a net worth in eight and nine figures that mm-hmm. fly Southwest. Oh my god! I, why? I'm blown away. I'm like. Okay, so you don't want to fly private, fine. But at least, why don't you fly first class somewhere? It's like, oh, it's very convenient. You just walk up and get a seat. Yes, so it's a bus. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) So for me, I I like the boarding structure. So here's the thing. Southwest is for people who don't fly enough to have any status. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I I like the boarding structure, too. The first thing they say is... Are there any active military aboard? And then when there aren't any, which there usually is none, mm-hmm. let's say, all right, well, our platinum members and our first class passengers can board. I'm mm-hmm. usually the first guy in line. Yeah, I'm, I'm always usually group two, uh, unfortunately. I, don't, I haven't been group one in a while, but mm-hmm. it's, it's building back up. Maybe by well, this time good. next year. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, we got together. We had some Iraqi chicken, which is, well, I had Iraqi chicken anyway. I don't know what you had. I, I just yeah. had a hookah. Well, you had a hookah, but then you got a bunch of food. No. Oh, to go, yeah. I, I ended up with the beef kebabs. Oh, beef, okay. Yeah, and then the, the kids and everybody get what you had. So Okay, the chicken? Yeah, yep. chicken was pretty good. I, it, I still like the one, the chicken here at my local place, which I just had last night, actually, better. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it was pretty good. I have to say, with all the 
the cost cutting and increase in fees happening with food lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that Middle Eastern food is one of those areas where you can still get a meal that doesn't contain a bunch of chemicals and plastics Mm -hmm. and still has, whether you like chicken or beef or whatever, just not pork, obviously, but whatever different meats for a pretty reasonable price. Not cheap, but certainly reasonable. Yeah, and you know, the places like where we went and some of the places like you have around there, first of all, it's they're all using halal meat, so it's yeah. high quality food, you know, yep. it's high quality meat. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a family recipe that they're cooking. Mm-hmm. And it's usually pretty damn good, you know. Yeah. yeah, and what I like about a lot of these Middle Eastern places is they will actually marinate the the meat, whether it's chicken or beef or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or lamb, it'll be marinated so it's got flavor throughout, not just spices sprinkled on top. Indeed. Which is one of the things that I I wish American food did better is marinating. So marinating is not really popular in the U.S. for some reason. I mean, it depends on what it is. Like, I brine my pork chops and I, you know, will brine a chicken before I do a whole roasted chicken or something mm-hmm. like that. And you'll brine it in what? So I'll make a brine, which, mm-hmm. you know, is a salt by water. definition salt water. Usually I'll add some citrus notes to it, you know, mm-hmm. orange juice or something like that, lemon yeah. juice. Then I'll add whatever I'm going to be seasoning it with. So for a chicken, I'll take like a Italian seasoning mix and I'll dump a bunch of that in there. Yeah. Or herbs or if I have fresh, you know, some rosemary, some sage, stuff like that. And usually let it sit overnight in the brine. So that's basically marinating. I mean, I... I I don't do the brining part, but mm-hmm. I I will definitely put meat in acid, mm-hmm. um, whether that's pineapple juice or some wine that's gone bad and starting, starting to get a little vinegar that I happen to have. Because I always save unfinished bottles of wine for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> lately, I, I haven't been saving anything because I haven't been drinking anything. But thing that's slightly acidic, and then I, I will put much of the same ingredients you just described in there, including some salt, and then throw it in a bag or a container overnight. Uh, bags work better because uh, then you can get all the air out of there because you don't you want, don't want the meat oxidizing. Correct. You, you want, want it in it contact to, with the liquid. Yeah, with and the I liquid. I agree with you that you know if you've got a piece of meat that'll fit in a Ziploc bag or something, that's the way to go. Yeah, or or a, a vacuum sealer which is what i use then it's great because then you can even if you now i usually don't do this because i'm too lazy but i do have a sous vide machine but then you can literally just take it right out of fridge and then cook it cook it via sous vide i've never cooked sous vide i've never used that it's great but imagine basically doing slow smoker barbecuing for everything Mm mm-hmm so everything is super tender, but everything takes about four times longer to cook. Well, I mean, that's the way I cook on the weekends anyway. So, Well, there you go. So yeah. then it, it'd be very, very similar. One of the things it allows you to do is to cook foods that would require a long time if you were to cook them on the grill or smoker, if you want to get that sort of loose stuff. But doing it indoors without any kind of smoke and then just finishing them either on the grill or what I do is just with a, a torch. Mm. Mm. So you literally cook the meat for an hour in a sous vide, which is sous vide is just in water. So it's basically for people that aren't familiar, 
it's just temper control. Whatever, it's whatever. Grain it's temperature. for temperature control. Yeah, but it's whatever chunk of meat or whatever food you want to cook, chicken, whatever, and then vacuum sealed just to get all the air out of it, so that you get as close a contact between the plastic bag and the meat itself. And then all of that is in a vat of water. And the sous vide is actually like for mine, I think it's a, I've got a eight quart mm-hmm. container that it sits in, but it's basically just a, a heater. So the sous vide plugs into the outlet and then you dial in the temperature literally to the degree that you want. And then it will cook it at that temperature for however long. And you can look online for recipes for how long different things should take. But you can do things like what it prevents essentially is overcooking. It yeah. prevents drying out and it prevents overcooking. And so what you get is something that is that exact temperature all the way through and has never been any warmer. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that, you know, you're cooking to below temperatures that are boiling, obviously. But the idea is that you're using the amount of, you know, contact surface area as well as the thermal coefficient of the water that you've got it in mm-hmm. to bring it up to that temperature at a more even rate than applying heat would be. Yeah. So. Yeah, because if you want to heat the middle of a steak you, using normal methods, like with actual fire, <clears throat> whether on the grill or in the pan, you have to get the outside to be way hotter than the inside. Like the outside's 400 degrees to get the inside up to 125 degrees. Yeah, this is why I am a big fan of reverse sear, right? So I cook my, mm-hmm. like a, when I'm doing a steak, out on the grill. I'll have my grill smoker, whatever you want to call it, down around 220, 230 mm-hmm. for, you know, 45, however long it takes. And I'm measuring the temperature with a probe. Yeah. And then once it gets up to, you know, 110 for my steak, I'm taking it off. And letting mm-hmm. it rest while I crank up the fire to as hot as I can get it. And then just throw it on and sear it. That's the way I like it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, what you're kind of describing isn't that different from the sous vide. Except that instead of 220 on the outside, you'd literally be keeping it at mm-hmm. like 140 mm-hmm. the whole time. Right. And so there's nothing on it. So you do have to sear it afterwards to make it look like it's cooked meat. Even though it's fully cooked. It just doesn't look like it's fully cooked because it's never been above that temperature. I don't know how we went from Ukraine to sous vide, but yeah. Well, that's usually how it goes. In fact, uh, you know, like I've always, certainly in my younger days, spent a lot of time in saunas. It's a very traditional thing. It's both for, you know, health, for uh, just relaxing after a workout, you just sit in the sauna. And as somebody that grew up with saunas, I, uh, I was very accustomed to high temperatures. So we would typically run the sauna at about 170, 175 degrees. Fahrenheit. And Americans are, they can't stand that. Like they, they, that's way too hot. So typically it's a good way to get all the Americans to leave the sauna is to crank it up to that temperature range. But it also occurred to me, this is, this is like, you could literally cook food in, in the sauna just by having it on a plate. Well, you're, you, you realize you're cooking yourself, right? But it's so good for you. You're not really cooking yourself because you're mostly water. So what you're doing is you're, you're doing, the water is absorbing that heat. But as your body is battling the, the heat, your sweat glands are pumping at 110%. Like, so you're, you're clearing out 
all the ducts in your skin through that sweat. It's you know, it's really a good process. You you can we we do live in Texas. All you got to do is go outside, and you can get that same well, level enough. of sweat going. So it's well, it's a little cooler. I mean, Texas <laughs> on a good day might get up to 120. We're talking 170, and then right after that, jumping into a, a snow or you know ice water is really good. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, well, so, I do a cold shower every morning. I'll tell you, we so when I moved to Idaho. You know, living in a small rural area, it was, I, I was the crazy Texan, you know? So we went, a girlfriend of mine at the time wanted to go out on the boat and it was like, it was like October. And mm. I said, sure, let's, let's go. So we get out on the lake and I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to go water skiing. And everybody's like, dude, it's cold. What are you thinking? So I put on my full body wetsuit hat and everything. <laughs> Yeah, I had a wetsuit on, and every, the, the the whole thing I did this to do was just to fuck with the guys who were fishing. So mm. I'm skiing, and we're going by people fishing and everything else, and they're just looking at me like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, wave. And the what, wetsuit's what part fine. Of the year is this? It's it, cold, uh, like I did right now, September, October in okay. Idaho. Okay, yeah. And uh, anyway, the water in the water, you're fine. Right, because you get the wetsuit. Well, what I didn't think about was how you know permeable neoprene is. So when I got out on top, it was just cold as hell, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then the another time, this is how I got this reputation was I had taken my surfboard to Idaho as one does. <clears throat> that seems you know. insane, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know it's whitewater rafting up there and all that, and mm. I surf the Clearwater River. Which, you know, was all fine and dandy until my skeg caught a rock <laughs> and launched me. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, it was fun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's sounds like you were quite the weirdo <laughs> when you were living up there. Hey, man. Uh, I, who wants to be normal? Fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly. Yeah, I think I'm going to order some food while we're talking here. That hey, that's save that for Friday's show, okay? Oh, okay. So I shouldn't be ordering food. Well, you got me thinking of all this halal stuff. I'm gonna order some beef shawarma. I think because uh-huh. I, I always do chicken all the time. So maybe I'll do a beef thing this time around. Yeah, I you know I I like the as long as it's not too gamey. The lamb is always good at places, but you know lamb's always to, hit or miss. Yeah, like I gotta trust it first before I go that route. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's see what else. Oh, I bought a new gun. Oh, what'd you get? I really need to stop buying guns, man. I think last show we talked about my new gun. Now we're talking about another one. So you I haven't know, picked it up yet. I, 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 if if I had the disposable income that you have, mm-hmm. I would have a lot more guns than you. You have, know, I'm so. unemployed, right? Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, so there's a a gun that I've seen before, like a year and a half ago, and I kind of thought, well, that's kind of neat, but it's a little bit of a, nah, I, like I don't really need one. But for some reason, I guess I, I stayed up too late at night looking through websites, and I ended up running across a site that had one of these in stock, and I was... You still haven't said what it is yet. Oh, yeah, well, okay, so it, it's a an AR-15 pistol, okay, mm-hmm. so... It is basically just a you know shorter barrel, shorter. It's not a stock. It's a hand brace, arm brace, whatever they're called. But it's basically an AR-15 type gun. 
But there's one interesting bit that makes this gun somewhat unique is that in this gun, the barrel is folding. The so barrel? It, ha- it has a folding barrel, yeah. Mm, interesting. It's from a company called Fold AR, if you uh-huh. want to go look at their website. And, you know, there's a lot of different stocks that have a folding stock, right? Or a folding brace. Like, those are fairly common. They're usually about 150 200 bucks. This actually has a folding barrel. So the barrel will fold at the point where it, yeah. it meets the frame. And that makes this a much more compact folder than mm-hmm. simply having a folding stock. So there did you did you hear about the ATF? I did. A leaked letter from this the is, ATF talking okay, about this amnesty is a part periods. Part of the reason that I'm doing this, honestly, mm-hmm. is I'm you, stocking you up. Get a, you want to get a door knock by the ATF? No, I'm I'm going to send checks for all these guns to the ATF. But part <sighs> of the reason that I'm trying to stock up on guns that have so braces I, right now. Let, so let's mm-hmm. finish this gun talk and we'll move okay. on to the ATF thing. So anyway, the bottom line is it's compact and since... As Ben mentioned, the ATF is changing laws once again, even though they're not really laws because they were never passed by Congress. They're just made up rules. But they're rules that get to be enforced by the point of a gun. Therefore, Mm. they're essentially laws. And they're going to remain laws until somebody actually challenges that. Then it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, which will then say ATF is unconstitutional and all this shit is non-existent. At least that's the hope. But I, I don't know. It's just it. I think it's like a ten-inch barrel, eleven-inch, nine-inch, something like that. It's somewhere in that range. So when you fold it in half, it's basically the whole gun is like fifteen inches, maybe seventeen inches, something like that. It's pretty yeah. compact. It's it's bigger than a pistol when it's fully folded, but it's much smaller than any other AR that that's out there so anyway okay so as far as the atf what ben's referring to is there has been some leaked documents that show the atf is in december planning on implementing a change which makes all braces be treated as short barreled rifles well essentially any ar pistol with any sort of brace on it not a bare buffer tube Mm -hmm. and even considering you could technically shoulder a buffer tube it looks like they're going to redefine what an sbr is yet again and if you remember the history of this when the braces first came out it was okay that's legal but don't put it on your shoulder right and then it was not legal and then it was okay it's legal and we don't you know the position on your shoulder doesn't matter so they've gone back and forth on this a few different ways it depends who's in the office yeah yeah Um, but it's been you know the ar pistol has been a thing and been around for a long time now yeah i think i i remember 25 years ago maybe even 30 years ago ar pistols well, and you know, here's here's what I'll say: the ATF is getting ready to make millions of gun owners, legal gun owners, felons yeah. overnight if they do not comply with the and Form you, One you registration of their million, firearm. Right? There's there are There's four million, over, someone like that. Over ten million braces okay. sold in the last five years. 
Yeah, I was talking about specifically AR pistols, but like the link I mm-hmm. just sent you, you know, there there are AK versions. There's lots of different oh, yeah. things. And, you know, people are using this, and I'll be just honest, I, I, I really think anyone who has an a AR pistol isn't using it as a pistol. They're using it as an SBR, which is fine. I don't think there should yeah. be a registration item for a short-barreled rifle. That's insane. Totally. Totally. I, I agree. I think it's ridiculous, but it is what it is. So... What they're saying is there will be an amnesty period, which means either you need to destroy your weapon, sell your weapon to somebody that's allowed to have it and is going to register it, or register it yourself with a $200 tax stamp. Well, no, theoretically, by the rule change and because of them putting this through, there Mm -hmm. looks like, and what they've done in the past with the, especially using the term amnesty period, Mm -hmm. when they've had a rule change like this in the past, they waived the tax stamp fee. Yeah, it's not going to happen. There's going to be a tax fee. In the past, they've waived it. I know, but it's not going to happen right now. Mm No, it's... There's been already a couple of hints at that. This is part of the argument for them doing this now is a tax collection effort. Eight million times two hundred dollars is a lot of money. It's literally um, billions of dollars of taxes. You you realize what the U.S. budget is? That's not even a blip. Do you, Do you know what the budget for the ATF is though? This uh, is going to no. cover that. I doubt that. I think the ATF budget, we can check. Easy enough. Anyway, point is that here's the benefit of this, as far as I'm concerned, is if they're going to force me to register and pay for this firearm as a short-barreled weapon, Mm -hmm. um, which will do two things. One is it lets me replace the stupid brace with a real stock because it's already a short-barreled weapon at that point. And two is I don't have to wait for a year and not use this firearm while I'm waiting for the paperwork to go through. Because the way that the stamps currently work is you file the paperwork, you file your Form 1, you send in your check, and then you wait for them to come back with a yes and a stamp, essentially, for you. And that process historically has taken anywhere between six months and a year. So if you want to get a 14-inch barreled version of a gun instead of a 16-inch barreled version of a gun, you can do that, but it'll cost you 200 bucks, and it'll take six months to a year. With the, the amnesty way, the- period, you get to have your gun while you're waiting for that year-long period. By the way, the ATF just got a budget bump to $1.7 billion. There you go. So they're going to get more than $1.7 million off the taxes. Billion. Freeze. Billion with a B. Yeah, they're going to get more than that with a B off the taxes for this thing. Mm, maybe. I think there will be a lot of people who end up just felons because they're not going to well, pay attention I mean, or, you know, it was legal when they bought it and then the rule changed. Yeah, um, but that's, I mean, that's not an excuse. It is because quite no. frankly. Okay. So when you had alcohol and the prohibition kicked in. That was a constitutional amendment and you were legally allowed to possess and consume alcohol. It was illegal to produce it. So it's a different thing. Prohibition. Uh, were you allowed to you were al- so you could you were allowed to consume it. and you had no no chance of going to jail for being at a speakeasy not for the consumer alcohol 
for the I person think you're selling full of shit, it. Dude. I think you're nope. full of shit. Go back and look. It I was per- that's why it even got tolerated as long as it did is because it was perfectly legal for you to consume it. It was illegal to produce or sell. So if you could get your hands on it somehow, you were still okay <laughs> consuming it. Correct. That's it only punished the person strange. selling it. Okay. No, I mean, uh, I'm serious. That's the, the, the prohibition. That's the only way they got it through. Okay. Yeah. I, I, we, can, we can check. Or <laughs> I mean, I can trust you on this. Because all I know is from watching movies mm-hmm. is when the cops bust into a speakeasy, everybody's running around like crazy trying to get out of there before the cops arrest them. So okay. what you're saying is when that happened in real life, the cops came in, nobody gave a shit, they kept drinking, because the only people that were going to be arrested were the proprietors. No, so I, I, it may have been illegal to purchase it as well, but if you mm. had it at your home and so on, it it was different. So okay, they would have so to you catch you doing buy it. You, you couldn't just not sell it, you also couldn't buy it then. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big difference. So... Anyway, so this is this is what I figured is <clears throat> normally I wouldn't want this many short barreled rifles, but if they're going to force me to do it anyway, I might as well at least have the damn gun instead of having it sitting somewhere and not being able to play with it for a year. Mm, well, fun. Because if you wait until after this rule kicks in and you want to get a short barrel rifle, you are going to be waiting for a year before you can even or longer something. or longer because they're not. Equipped to handle 8 million people registering their guns. Guaranteed. I mean, right now, I don't know what the stats are, but I'd be shocked if there's more than 100,000 a year that are registered. Well, I, I don't know the numbers either, but it's, I, there are definitely more suppressors than, you know, mm-hmm. NFA items. That, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it's not a ton, but I would say suppressors are probably the majority of registered items. By a long shot. Yeah. I I just never really liked short-barreled guns. They're stupid, dude. Short-barreled guns make no sense. They're less accurate. I mean, I'm not kicking in someone's door. The, you know, yeah. urban combat is the only time a short barrel makes any sense. Exactly. Or in the car. If you're in the car and you want a rifle caliber, it's much easier <laughs> with a short barrel than with a long ass. Try using your regular AR-15 in a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. unless you're driving like an Expedition or a Hummer, where you got the room to swing a whole 16-inch barrel around. It's the same reason that I like the uh, bullpups, is because the overall length is much shorter. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in a vehicle or a tight situation somewhere, it's a lot easier to move around with a gun. That there, there is a legal limit to the overall length that has to be observed too. Yeah, for it not to be a short barrel rifle. No, twenty six inches or a sixteen inch barrel, eighteen inches on shotguns. Yep. So, and most of these guns, including the one that I just described, that folds in half with the barrel portion, these are substantially smaller than that because pistols can be much smaller than that. There's no minimal length on a pistol. You have a little Derringer that's like three inches long, completely, like with a one-inch barrel. So this is how the ingenuity of Americans has been able to figure out ways to get around what is arguably not a law, but just a requirement, and arguably completely stupid and meaningless, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless still exists, and there's a department of people with guns that will come and enforce it 
at your peril? Well, I think the Bruin decision is really going to help out a lot. I, I think I that totally we have, agree. So tell I think people we have some is. cases. So the Bruin decision basically said that if there is not history and precedent around the time, circa around the time of the Second Amendment to restrict a arm, it cannot be restricted. Meaning, you know, hey, unless they had a regulation at the time or a tradition of regulations at the time the Second Amendment was written, mm-hmm. you can't do anything out of that vein. Period. So, so like basically, the NFA is Ill- restricted. Right, exactly. So the NFA is illegal. I, it I mean, is illegal. It, it will it will be unconstitutional as soon as there's a court case that gets to yeah. the Supreme Court that can challenge it. I do think the NFA will fall based off of the Bruin yeah. decision. And now, I think it it has always been unconstitutional. Absolutely. But for too long in this country, the Supreme Court has been a revisionist court that has chosen to see the constitution in today's rather than the historical context and therefore making decisions based on that. But it's not just that there's never really been a serious Supreme court decision on the NFA. Uh, There was what uh, Miller and back, back way, way back when, and only the government side was argued. He didn't even show up and so on. That was the whole short-barreled shotgun thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's never been a serious challenge to the NFA. Yeah, and I I would love to see that. What I've read is that before, for for court cases that start going down that path, they typically end up being either the charges are dismissed or they're, they're withdrawn, so basically the the machine the state machine knows that it is dangerous to have these cases go all the way up to the Supreme Court because it's going to ruin their whole plan. And mm-hmm. so what happens is once a case that has that potential something that truly challenges the authority of the NFA starts going up to a level of uh, appeals in the federal system the charges are almost every single time withdrawn by the prosecution. And if there's no and charges, there's no case, and therefore no it can't go up. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, but the, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was the card with the auto sear on it. Yeah. Like it was a metal card with an auto sear design sketched on it that if you cut out following the lines, you could create an auto sear for if you had an, an M16 lower Mm -hmm. you had to have Mm -hmm. the right lower too you couldn't just drop it into any ar-15 lower to create a fully automatic weapon right and they are charging him with the manufacturer of a machine gun correct yeah they define a machine gun as a a part that isn't even finished yet well and here's the thing not only with the bruin decision does he have a good case but it's a first amendment case Mm -hmm. he all he did was put out a design for an auto seer yeah. He didn't create an auto sear. He didn't finish it. He just printed it on a piece of aluminum. Yeah. yeah. I have the right to write the anarchist cookbook or anything else that I want. I can tell uh, you how to sure build a bomb you every do anymore. You used to. You should be. But, uh, first Amendment, yeah, you, freedom you of should. speech. That First freedom. Amendment, that just needs to get interpreted in modern context, the way that yeah, Biden yeah. sees things. Freedom of speech is important not to protect normal or popular speech, but to protect unpopular speech. Mm-hmm. Yes. Speaking like of... all the speech with the downvotes. Yeah, speaking of Joe Biden, 
Did you, you watch to? his? Uh, did you watch his uh, and, speech? Uh, the emperor's speech. Yeah. So the I funny did. thing is, I w- I listened to it mm-hmm. live when he did that. I wasn't mm-hmm. watching it. I was listening to it. Mm. And it was bad enough listening to it. But then I wake up the next morning, I see all the optics, and I go back and watch and look at the optics of it. Oh, my God. The blood red background, the military, you know, officers standing behind him. So I posted like six or seven different memes on No Agenda Social of various things that looked somewhat similar. And I said, we're almost here or we're already there. And from Vita Vendetta to uh-huh. 1984 uh-huh. to, yeah, for sure, Palpatine to the, uh, the man in the high tower. All high castle, the, you mean? High castle, yeah, the man in the high tower. I've been watching too much Game of Thrones. I'm thinking high tower. Yeah, the man in the high castle. All these, all these demonstrating these movies showing authoritarianism and despotism. And they all have very similar look, looks. The... The red background is very, very indicative well, of a dictator. It was blue, red, blue. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, all these conservatives are freaking out, and they're, they're not even looking at the full picture. Dude, CNN chroma-keyed and tried to change the color halfway through. I think they everyone oh realizes the optics of this were bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally, they changed it to almost a pinkish purple color oh they, they literally tried to screw with the chroma key so somebody realized in cnn one of these super yes. libs that works there realized that shit this this is not, <laughs> this is not looking good. good we don't want this <laughs> well Ugh. and the content of the speech the content of the speech alone was just it was divisive it mm. literally it the, the content of the speech literally sets whoever the fuck is with biden which i don't know who that is mm-hmm. at this point Against quote unquote MAGA Republicans. Yeah, what's a MAGA Republican versus so, like a Rhino Republican? Is that the two kinds of Republicans we have? <laughs> Apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh man, when Liz Cheney lost, uh, the one of the funniest memes I saw flying around was an elephant humping a rhino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah, so I, I, I think this is setting up for the fall election. I think this is a real push to his base. And this was the first campaign speech of his reelection, which he has formally filed for, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Joe Biden is the first official candidate in the presidential race. To be over 100 Um, years old, yeah. (laughs) But this is setting up to hang the vaccines on Trump. It's setting up for someone to get violent, and then they're going to go, look at those MAGA Republicans, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, all the riots and everything that happened during the lockdowns. Man, this is playing with fire. It really is. Well, I don't see coming back from this in any sort of good way. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think that there are clearly people in that administration that are making decisions outside of Joe Biden. I think he's just acting the part. He's not a whole lot different from Zelensky, honestly. He he's an actor playing a role of a president, and people that have the real power are making the real decisions. So I think that's what's happening. Not that he's blameless by any stretch, neither is Zelensky, but I think the real decisions are being made by somebody else. Well, whoever is making these decisions is making the wrong ones. It it, it really, to me, felt like 
a we're I hate to play the Tim Pool drinking game here, but it really felt <laughs> like a get ready for civil war speech. But they're not going to do that unless they think they win that. And this is this is where I've been trying to temper my conservative friends and thinking that oh this is going to be the biggest blowout for red victories in a hundred years. It's, it'll be bigger than Reagan. Like not a single vote is going to go to the Democrats. No, you're full of shit, dude. They. I- we keep talking about like calling half the country there. Biden's talking about describing them as being, you know, dangerous and radical, but, but that's half. The other half is going along with it. The other half agrees with Democrats. The other half helped them become the majority party of the last election. Now we can talk about all the improprieties that happened during the election. And I, and that's the other issue is, what the hell makes people think that there aren't going to be the exact same things done every election moving forward? Why do you think Pennsylvania is going to ever vote Republican, regardless of what the voters in that state actually want? These mm. states that have very strong Democrat machines, like Illinois is known for in Chicago, and you know Kennedy was never elected. <laughs> Kennedy was made president by the mob. Yep. Uh, that's the, not even that's not even conspiracy theory. That's like history at this point. Yeah, dead and people voting. And all we're seeing is more of the same happening with the Democrats. Because why? Because they think they're at a point now that the Republicans have demonstrated themselves to be either pussies or rhinos. There's two types. There's the pussy Democrat or pussy Republicans and the rhino Republicans. And they'll work with the rhinos and use them, and they'll just you know, be mean to the pussies knowing they're never going to do anything. The, the, what happened on January 6th was literally people that were drunk tourists in New Orleans. The exact same <laughs> things happen when people get drunk in New Orleans. They do shit that ends up destroying property. That's the worst offense that happened. It was some destruction of property. You know, and, and the way that the Democrats have sp- spun it is like this is the worst thing since the oh, civil war it, saying that it was an maybe insurrection yeah it was an insurrection that had to be put down these people are like dogs they have to be put down so until there is the same level of response from the conservative side as the blm is from the liberal side nothing's going to change and maybe i'm blackpilling here but I no, really think that's it, the case. I just think I, that until people are, and I've said this on almost every episode, until there's an example of somebody who considers the value of their life to be worth trading for making a change in this country, nothing is going to change. Our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Yeah, you know, exactly. And how many, how many people have said that? Yeah, almost well. nobody. You know, here's what it comes down to. People, if a civil war does kick off here, people think, oh, well, the military will join with us. No, the military is probably going to follow whoever is ordering oh, them around. Are. So, Guaranteed. you know, it's it's really going to ha- have to break down on which generals go which way. <laughs> you know, And this is why I think what's happening in Florida with the creation of a Florida, an actual Florida National Guard makes a lot of sense. We need the same thing in Texas. 
Well, I mean, that's what the National Guard was. I mean, originally, well, if you remember, it was the State used. Guard. I know, it was the State Guard. But the way it's been utilized is it's at the discretion of the President. He's the Commander-in-Chief of every state's guard. Yeah, the governors have some ability to call it up, but yes. And it's federally funded, which is problematic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, what we need is a Texas militia. Well, you know, I, yeah, I actually tried to... A few years back, I was lobbying some in the state house as a way around a lot of the gun control laws and everything else. Just establish a standing militia for every citizen that wants to, you know, join. Yeah. So then your service personnel and whatever yeah. weapons you have is your duty weapon. Yeah, your duty weapon, which you're allowed to carry either concealed or open anytime, anywhere. Yep. And none of those bullshit restrictions on locations. Yep. Which, you know, the constitutional carry restrictions are pretty easy these days. You know, I went to go into a store, a liquor store the other day, and it had one of the old, it is a felony to carry a weapon on these premises signs, which technically is no longer illegal. Mm -hmm. And so I could have ignored it, but I chose not to. I left my gun in my truck and walked in and I said, you know, I I know you just work here and you probably don't care, but just so you know, that, that sign's not effective anymore so if y'all care mm-hmm. you should probably update it you know which you know but even regardless of signs any any private business can trespass you if they don't want you carrying weapons they can give you a notice yes but yeah. they can't do anything to you that time it's just if you ever do it again you know and then like heb has a 30 i think it's five sign where you yeah. know only those with licenses may conceal carry in here. So, you know, basically you have... It's good. (laughs) I would prefer that. Okay. I I think it should just be let anyone carry, but okay. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I think that since it is up to private businesses to decide Mm -hmm. how they want to, who they want to patronize them, right? Mm -hmm. This is like property rights are core... And that uh, the whole carry restrictions are done under the trespassing laws in Texas now. Yeah. So I think it's perfectly fine for them to say, look, you, if you do this, we're not going to trespass you. Mm -hmm. And if they want to have a slightly higher level of, because really what does the license, the concealed license get you? Right. (laughs) It it provides really get you anything. And it proves barely that you can shoot. It Qualifying proves, for that is nothing. It proves barely. So you've done this? I have shot a qualification. I know what it takes to shoot a qualification. It's not exactly okay. hard. All right. Well, maybe I'm a little biased because I was a firearms instructor for those licenses for many years. And okay. it is, you're absolutely right. It takes nothing at all to qualify from a technical standpoint. But what it does take is a several hour long class. And the length has been reduced greatly as well. It used to be, I think, in Texas, eight hours or six hours. Maybe it was six hours in Texas. It was never uh, that long in Minnesota. I think it's like three hours now. I'm no, pretty it's sure still it's still six. Shorter. Are you sure? Yeah. Huh? I looked at it recently. So anyway, the I've taken it in Texas twice. I don't think it was six hours. Are you sure about that? Hmm. Anyway, the so most of what you go through in that class is actually, here are the legal ramifications you need to be aware of for when you pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing for people to understand. I don't think it's a bad because thing either. The gun I just proficiency don't think... 
is trivial, like you said. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, the I have other issues with being on the list and so on. I think getting that training mm-hmm. is fine. I just have a, a problem with it being a license. Well, by the way, you can take the training without getting a license. I've done that mm-hmm. several times because I was too lazy to actually go get a fingerprint card. Yeah. So I've taken um, which th- that's times. another issue I have is the fingerprint card, but yeah. And I'm, yes, it's like, still six everybody hours. has my fingerprints. I really don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you go through clear if you want. I just I I'm I'm wow, I, I went through that, global but, entry. Yeah. Well, so the the uh, there are basically three categories of sign that you can have in Texas right now, and there's only license carry. You can expressly prohibit licensees from carrying, which I don't think mm-hmm. that one will ever really get used. And then I think no some one churches can use those. But why would you prohibit a concealed carry license holder? I, so I mean, the constitutional in the everybody it prohibits everybody. Not no, just no, 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 no. There is a sign that just, just prohibit. Yep. Because mm, I've seen yep. a sign that say license holders prohibited, but I think I, I guess I assumed that was under the context of as well, like you and everybody is prohibited, not just you, but the guy without a license is able to carry. That would make no nope. sense. Yeah, so under because the guy with a license is also a guy without a license. (laughs) Like it doesn't say explicitly that the that constitutional carry is open only to people who are non holders of licenses. Look at the way that I'm just telling you what the the signs are. I I think that's just delaying updating the verbiage. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the intent. Okay, but I don't know. Could be wrong. Thirty out six. Pursuant to Section 30.6 of the Texas Penal Code, trespass by a license holder with a concealed handgun. Mm-hmm. It only specifically talks about a license holder. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't have a license, you can carry. Boy, yeah, I think you're right. I think because <laughs> that section was written prior to the constitutional yep. carry, the assumption exactly. is nobody else is allowed to carry because of other sections. And this is only for people that are carrying legally would be the ones that this would affect. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah. maybe that is a... That needs Updated to be fixed. Science. Yep. That needs to anyway. be fixed. Anyway. So that's local Texas stuff. So, so as far as we're talking about, we're talking about guns, illegality, illegality of the entirety of the National Firearms Act which controls the types of weapons that you're allowed to have. And and then dark Do you remember branded. when the NFA actually, why it was passed? Do you remember what, what was the, because all these things only happen after some incident. Yeah. I mean, it was really after prohibition and a lot of the gangsters having Tommy guns. Oh, and yeah. And, and the cops didn't. That was right. the other thing. Cops carried like revolvers back then. Mm-hmm. And shotguns and no rifles. Mm-hmm. Cops typically just had shotguns and, and revolvers. Well, I mean, we all, even up until the 80s, right? There was that standoff in LA. Oh, yeah. That With is the why Teflon SWAT bullets. Team. Yep. Oh, the cop oh. killers, cop killer bullets. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, you don't remember that. You, were, you weren't born yet. I, I remember reading about it. But yeah, I remember watching it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, also back in the day when you could have a flechette round but now yeah you know, i made those you know, or sabot rounds that was that was pretty cool 
Sabot yeah. rounds are pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, 45 caliber Sabots. Well, even like a 30-30, you know, mm-hmm. with a 5.56, you know, it, it's a pretty interesting thing to neck it down mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, yeah. Well, the key thing is, I mean, back then, too, in the 80s, police did not wear bulletproof vests or armor of any kind. Well, and even when they did, it was soft armor only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think st- most departments are still only on soft armor. I think so. And a lot of them are wearing them underneath the shirts, which just looks so stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's well, kind of like why, you know, especially for the guys that aren't in good shape. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it just looks so stupid when you're wearing a vest underneath there. You know what's sad is when you look at your officer qualifying, you know, records and yeah. look at your local department, because usually this uh-huh. is available statistics. But how shitty they score. No, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's scary. <laughs> I, I think most people that go in to work as police officers are not really gun enthusiasts. They're, they're, really, they're really just bullies. Right, but if you're going to carry a gun, you should yeah. be able to hit a target. Well, you would think. <laughs> you would think that would be the case. Uh, but anyway... I, I, I'm not a good pistol shot. I'm not, mm. I, I don't consider myself a good pistol shot, but if you've got a, you know, speed qualifying target mm-hmm. and you're at 25 yards and you can't at least keep them in the eight ring, I've got a problem. I, I just don't understand that. You know, the qualifier is not 25 yards. I understand. Seven, seven I'm, yards. I understand. That's what I'm saying. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying you should be able to do better than this. Yeah. I mean, if you can keep them in the eight ring at 25 yards, you should be able to keep them in the four ring at seven yards. Pretty easy. But I'm, I'm just saying, I, I go to the gun range. I see some of these people shoot. You look at what cops generally qualify at, and yeah. it's just sad. Oh, dude, you look at some of these guys, just random people next to you at the gun range shooting. There's, there are guys shooting insane groups that I couldn't do on my best day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, absolutely. How long have you been coming here? <laughs> you know? How, how, how many how, how well hundreds you know of boxes done? of ammo have you yeah, put through that? Yeah, how many thousands, thousands of rounds? And I yeah. like, I got pretty good, but I, I've never won any tournaments or anything. Never won any competitions. And entered one. Yeah. But it, it, it's, well, my dad used to be a competitive shooter. So I, I got to be around that atmosphere a lot. But it's it's always been one of these things where what I'm good at is figuring out ways to be, to have a higher average, not necessarily to have the best. And a part of that has been in making sure that the equipment that I'm using isn't going to handicap me. Indeed. And Speaking of like, equipment... Well, and let me just give you a quick example of that. Is for example, the the last AR-15 rifle that I got before this new batch of like spending the spree that I've jumped into was actually a carbon 15, which was the lightest AR-15 made at the time. And this this was in the late 90s. No, probably shit. Maybe early 2000s? Yeah, early 2000s. It wasn't the late 90s. It was early 2000s. And uh, the reason for that is because I had an H-bar, an actual Colt H-bar. And it seems like it's not particularly heavy, right? It's probably Mm -hmm. about eight, eight and a half pounds. But when you spend three days in a row shooting it for eight hours a day, 
you could barely lift that fucking thing. And so I was like, yep, not doing that shit again. So I went, I went, did a little research and bought the lightest gun that I could that still was using the same round. Yeah, see, and I I just go the other way. I, I want, like, especially for a rifle, for long-range mm-hmm. shooting, I want a heavy gun. I, I, I yeah, I just go the I opposite. I don't. Why do you want a heavy gun? Because, like, for instance, when I'm hunting or uh-huh. doing anything, I'm not hiking in, you know, more than a mile or two, and I it's a recoil mitigation and everything else. Oh, are you shooting thousands of rounds that you need to worry about recoil mitigation? Yeah. Or are you just a pussy? <laughs> says the guy who can't carry uh-huh. a gun after shooting it I'd for I'd much three rather days. have a lighter gun and deal with the recoil than have a heavy gun with less recoil. So it depends. If you're shooting and you need to follow up shot on target or mm-hmm. if you're like me and you're shooting long range and you're wanting to spot yourself, mm-hmm. you know, the, the recoil mitigation somewhat matters there. But anyway, so I uh, I made a purchase too. I didn't buy a firearm, oh, but I did I ended up getting the optic for the pistol. So, yeah. Mm. Did you it's get the, uh, the Romeo? I did. I, I looked at a lot of different ones. Mm-hmm. The battery life on the Delta Point Pro was just too horrific. Everyone tried to get me to go Hala Sun, which seems like Chinesium, mm-hmm. but I, I went and looked at them, and the, the reticle just wasn't as clear mm. as the okay. SIG. It was like fuzzy. Where did you to go to physically look at it? I've never seen one in person, I've only seen them on the website. The gun store here. They had the Holosuns? Really? Yep. Interesting. Yep. They had a bunch of them, and they so, had a bunch of the SIGs, too. Did you look at and a few the of them, Leopold. or just one of the Holosuns? I looked at a few of them. And they all had fuzziness? It, it just, the reticle was not as clear to me. And mm-hmm. it was a two and a half MOA dot, and then a, mm-hmm. like, 20 MOA ring around it. Yeah, and I yeah, didn't yeah. like that. So, anyway, I just went with the Because uh, they SIG do have the most options, MOA. and they have the most solar-powered ones. They do the hollow yeah. suns. Yeah, they do. They they. I just it maybe it was those two or maybe yeah. there's some settings I could change, but it, I just didn't like it. I'm very so. curious because I I've never bought a hollow sun, but I've had them in my shopping carts a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. But I always end up just buying a sig. And yeah. some people even said that they're literally made on the same factory. I, I guess, but the uh, sigs are also Chinese. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, all I can say is my gun's already cut for it, it'll fit, and it has yeah. decent battery life. I would have gone with the Leopold, yeah. but the yeah. Leopold Delta Point Pro has, like, something crazy, like 800 hours of battery life. Nothing. Yeah. That's so, a, you know, I, and this is going to be a carry gun for me, yeah. so I, I would like something a little bit more dependable. I need my freaking Trijicon, which I just yeah. don't freaking know where it is. I uh, The other I thing... The, the other primary decision uh-huh. on why I went with the SIG is the SIG not only fits my gun, sits lower so I don't have to have a plate, mm-hmm. but it also has, it's also a rear iron sight. So even mm-hmm. if the optic is down, I can still use the iron sights. Yeah. Well, this is why I like the the Trigicon one. Mm-hmm. And they don't make the one that I have anymore. I'm hoping I can get it serviced, although that's going to add to my bill. Because I bought it back in the early 2000s, and it is a tritium and fiber optic site. There there are no batteries. Yeah. So it's there's nothing to replace, nothing to shake loose. I, 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 that's totally not true. There is something yeah, to tritium. replace, the tritium. Yeah, which, <laughs> which I is, need to replace because yeah. it's been now almost 20 years since I bought it. 
Which, you know, the problem with that is when you go to, it's going to be the cost of the site almost all over again. Oh, believe me, my current, so I have two Trijicon sites that I I filled out the paperwork to get serviced for trading replacement. And my bill on that is $700. Yeah. Two sites. Now, granted, that's way less than the cost of the sites. I'm but it's your more than most site, sites. You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because yeah. it's like because one of the sites. Why well, it's a it's they're both ACOGs. But uh, yeah, I mean most people. I've just never yeah. liked the ACOG. I I have a very sweet spot for it. It's it was really the first, the first true professional site I've ever used. I've just mm. been using, you know, sites that are hunting before that. This was mill spec, and so mm-hmm. it is it is like a brick. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I don't like ACOGs. Because they're bricks? <laughs> yeah. But they're not shaped like bricks. I think, the, I would say the EOTech is a lot more of a brick in that sense. It's big, yeah, bulky, true. and I, shitty battery life. Yeah, I I like my Aimpoint on my AR, one of my ARs. That's a Aimpoint. great site. Yeah, Aimpoint Comp M3. That's what so, I've got, so I've had it for a while. I didn't know you were doing paintball. <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, you know, aim point. That's a, that's a kid's site. That's for toy guns. No. No. Oh, no. come on, man. Come you're, on. You're aim thinking point? like sight mark or something like that. No, I'm aim, aim point is a... Aim point is a... You're... Did you... Gene, are you sure you're not drinking? <laughs> I'm definitely not drinking. No. Aim point's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, a five-year battery life on, and yeah, it's a fantastic little red dot. Yeah, I don't know, man. My only experience with aim points has been on paintball guns. No, no one had an aim point on a I paintball I had an aim gun. point on my paintball gun, absolutely. This would have been <sighs> 1997. 97, 98 is when I did most paintball. I was okay. Doing that every weekend. Okay. Well, but anyway, but that's fine. So you've got a nice little aim point site. <laughs> that's cute. I um, mean, oh God. Okay. Are they mil spec? I don't think. Yes. So. I did. Kind of don't think so. Okay. Anyway, aim point makes some good stuff, dude. I mean, yeah. the Comp M five B right now is over a thousand dollar site. Okay, well, I'm sure they've really ramped up and make. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they started off making like paintball sites and then got better. I I don't know. But they man. they were like all the sites that I've seen from Mainpoint back in the day were oh, two hundred bucks or less. Two well, no, twenty years. Look, yeah, twenty years. Yeah. So like the Comp M3 when I got it was like a five six hundred dollar site. Mm. And Larue, I've got a Larue tactical oh, mount got a for Comp it. M5 for a thousand. That's what I'm, that's the new version, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow, they make that much they make good attack? stuff. That's crazy. I'm telling you. So okay, well, I mean they they have been making them for a long time, but I always just kind of consider them as toys. All right. So anyway, so the insult of the week. Well, it's not of the week. It's daily. Usually, come on. It's just we don't only we only <laughs> record once a week. You get the insults on a daily basis. Yes, this is true. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm I'm just like I like. Ribbon them. I like giving I did, them shit. I did think it was so funny fun. in, in our group chat, though, Josh's comment. Uh, uh, Gene posted a picture of his snake, 
And Josh made the comment, is that Hillary's cousin? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. And I said, dude, that's an insult to the snake. It is an insult to the snake. <laughs> snake looks nothing like Hillary. He's, he's very cute. No, I don't think cute is the right word to describe a large oh, I mean, look at his face. It's totally cute. It's very cute. Now, he's, he's got plenty of food now, so he's all happy. So that was, by the way, so, I mean, I don't, I, I can tell us the, the rationale here, why we ended up meeting is I actually had to drive out and buy some snake food, which is sold in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And the guy doesn't ship. And if he did ship, I'm sure the cost would be double and it's way cheaper for me to just to drive out there and pick it up anyway, just gas cost wise. Plus I got to see Ben that way. Yep. But I picked up like 300 bucks worth of rabbits, which is for the snake. That's the, the snake in question here. That's his main food are frozen rabbits that I then warm up in a, what? A sous vide. <laughs> That's my biggest uh, continuous use of the sous vide is actually warming rabbits up. Is so you, thawing out the yeah, food it for the snake. thaws out the rabbit and it thaws it out and warms it up to 103 degrees so that they can be as close to the temperature of a real rabbit when the snake gets the rabbit as possible. So they're not cooked. I'm not cooking the rabbits. I'm just defrosting them and then getting them to body temperature, which the rabbits mm -hmm. run a little warmer than humans do, but they're right around 103 degrees. And, and then that way the snake gets something that Genetically, it knows to expect, which is a warm rabbit. The other snake that I have that eats rats has gotten to be not nearly as picky to where I can literally just defrost the rat by leaving it, you know, sitting in, in normal temperature, ambient air, and then just putting it into the snake cage with the on top of the, the heating pad. So then it ends up getting just slightly warmer than the rest of the cage so you can see it. But yeah, it's, it, it is. So how long benefits. will that last your snake? Uh, the rabbits. So the rab mm -hmm. the snake will eat a five, five pound rabbit, which is a good sized rabbit. Mm -hmm. It'll eat a five pound rabbit every two weeks or so. Okay. So how, how, very but, efficient. I'm but how long was that $300 going to last you? Oh, it'll, it, well, in theory, it could last me a year if I feed the snake at a, you know, normal pace of every mm -hmm. two or three weeks. It'll okay. last me probably at, at a bare minimum eight to nine months if I just, you know, feed them very consistently every two weeks. Okay. Well, that's cheaper than my dog's food. Oh, it's definitely cheaper than dog food. Per meal, it's expensive because it's like 25 bucks a rabbit or something. But as a per time period, it's very cheap. Yeah. You got to remember these snakes, this is why I have pet snakes is because of low, you know, low maintenance. There's very little to do. You just have to give them water and then feed them once a, every couple of weeks. The main problem there, though, is the humidity and temperature that you have to keep your house at. Yeah, humidity is normal. There's no, I'm not doing any humidity control. They would probably enjoy more humidity, but the way I get around that is just by having water baths available for them to mm -hmm. swim in or soak in. But yeah, humidity in the house is about the same, but I do keep the temperature warmer. I keep it at 78. <laughs> So the snakes like that, but you know, keep in mind it's 78 upstairs. It doesn't mean it's 78 downstairs. Downstairs could be, you know, 76. 
Okay. Well, we keep it around 70 here and, you know, 68 at night. That's way too cold for me. Like, I never, <laughs> even before snakes, I did not like to keep it that low. I, before snakes, I typically kept it at 72 at night and usually e either all the time at 72 or like 74 during the day. Yeah, I prefer to sleep cold. That's me. I what I have right now is it it cycles down to its coldest temperature as I'm going to sleep. And then it slightly warms up, so I don't have to run the AC as much. Well, or until the city of Austin decides to change. Or your until the city again. of Austin decides to fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which I don't Which, think that's going to be happening anymore. By the way, that's another thing that's happened since we last chatted. California hmm. decided to go insane. They've always gone insane. How is that a new thing? Well, it's even more so, though. So, you know, there's the car mandate and all that. But mm. now they're, they're already putting in grid restrictions across across WEC. Colorado mm. got hit with MISO, and it's just, it's getting nuts, man. I'm looking at this Aimpoint site. Mm -hmm. They've got some good products here. Yes, they do, I, Gene. This looks really nice. This is not the aim point of old. I'm telling you, they used to be like toys. Oh, this actually no, looks I, like it's much better designed. There's a lot of really good stuff, and they've got some that are fantastic like battery Acro life and everything P2 else. I P2 Red Dot, 50,000 hour life. It's mm -hmm. small but square, which I prefer. This is nice. I might get one of these for one of the new guns. Yeah, the aim point with the magnifier on the back, like the Comp M5 now, but a 3X mm -hmm. magnifier on the back is what I have for one of my ARs, and I like it. Yeah, I have to decide what to put on the little... I mean, it's got to be something small mm -hmm. that I put on the, the little folding gun that I got. Well, I mean, something that like I that. I mean, you could, you could try out a Holosun. Be cheap. Yeah, like 300 bucks. Yeah. Ish. Cheap. And the 5.56 is very reasonable in recoil, so there's... You can use oh, virtually it, any red dot. It's not going to mess with and, it. And what I would say is anything that's not, you know, like a sight mark or something like that, any mm -hmm. modern red dot's going to hold up to recoil just fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, it'll be interesting on the shotgun because I have the the SIG on the shotgun to see how long which, that holds which up. Which SIG do you have on the shotgun? I don't know. It's one of the... One of the Romeos. Uh, Romeo 3 or 5. 5. Romeo 5, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, it was one of the little round ones. Yep. yep. It's the I'll tell you which it is. I don't remember the model number, but it's their only model that uses a AAA battery instead of a little tiny battery. Mm, I'd have to go and, look. And yeah. the reason for that is because I know from historical points, even with 50,000 hours, which is a long-ass time some of these things last, inevitably, at some point, the battery will be dead when I take the gun out. And it's Indeed. much easier to replace a AAA battery because those are always in my bag, no matter what. Right. For, for the hearing protection that uses AAAs, you know, for a variety of things. So I always have some lithium AAAs in the bag. And the last thing you want is some weird-ass CR2032 battery <laughs> that you need to stick in because your sight just blew out. So I, I got the AAA one. And the weight's not a consideration because it's a shotgun. Right, yeah. That's not an issue. But, you know, on a pistol, you're going to have the weird Yeah, you want the smallest battery. little. Yeah. And I, I do, you know, I, since you kind of started talking about the cutouts for the uh, mounting plates, 
I've noticed that virtually every gun available right now has cutouts. Yep. Like I said, they just it's started doing super, this. super, super common now. Yep. And so now, and I, I don't think I need to do this because I really don't need to spend any more money on guns. But they do have my XDM now available with the cutouts. Well, so now that you can just order the slide. Oh, that's a good point. So the slide, well. You could just replace the slide. But isn't the slide the, no, I guess the slide isn't the uh, serialized nope. portion. Of the it gun. is not the serialized portion. Yeah. Yeah, I could probably do that. Yep. Or you can send yours off to get milled or whatever, but no, I'd probably no, no. just replace it. That was it. the old school way of doing it. Yeah. And I did find the, those, those, the Trigicon little red dot that was for the Glocks to just replace the rear sight, which is, I never bought that, but I, I thought about it quite a few times. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a consideration as well as going down that route. But I don't know. I mean, I, I've always liked red dots. I, I In fact, my first red dots, other than on paintball guns, which, which <laughs> I did have on there, I don't know why you laugh, dude. I was I was rocking high-end gear back in the paintball days. Because I just don't see a paintball. I mean, a paintball, anyone who's played a lot of paintball, which I did, probably around the same time you were, it's such a lob anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't see the point in having a sight. What, on what were you using gun. for a gun? Uh, oh, shit. I don't remember. It was a pretty high-end paintball gun back in the day. Yeah. Me and my friends played all the time. Huh? I, I was using mini mags. Oh, no, no. So I'm talking actual full-on normal paintballer type stuff. What do you mean normal? Like the normal quarter-inch paintball? Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was using mini mags. Okay. That that was the the gun name. I don't remember what mine was, man. It this is when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's been a little while. Yes. I get that. This has been 20 years ago. You remember that sound? Yes. Yes. <laughs> for yes, for anybody uh, listening in the theater of the mind, this is this is this if you hear this and you know exactly what you were doing and what you look like. Yep, that's a mini mag running. Yeah, so we we would we did all sorts of stuff. In fact, I screwed up my knee. Ended up trashing my track career, mm. blowing out my knee playing paintball. But yeah, anyway, that that was not fun. Tore my meniscus and my ACL. Mm. But we used to do all sorts of fun stuff in the day. In fact, my my junior prom, I went to it with this big welt on my neck. And oh, that nice. everyone thought was a hickey, <laughs> but no, it was from paintball. That's awesome. So yeah, it was, it was the long running joke back oh, in the day. Oh, dude, I had so many like welts and, you know, marks on my skin from the time. It was nuts, but it was fun. I really, I enjoyed paintball. It was a very expensive hobby. You usually go through a hundred bucks a weekend in Easily. balls. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't know how kids were able to do it. Like you were talking about in high school, because as a adult working and making yeah. money, it was still not cheap. <laughs> so what we did was we would get together, me and a group of my friends, mm-hmm. and we'd buy balls by the thousands. So did I. In big bulk order. <laughs> yep. And then we weren't, you know, we weren't, we were out at someone's property, so we weren't paying those mm-hmm. sorts of fees. It was just, no, yeah. you know. No, yeah. I'm talking 100 bucks in ammo per weekend is usually what I go through. Well, okay, uh, maybe you did more expensive balls than we did or whatever. I don't know. I don't, rem- 
remember where I used to buy them, but I remember I bought the, I was buying the thousand packs of the balls because that was a much cheaper way to go. I was running nitrogen and I had a back, back mounted tank with a remote hose set up going to the gun. Full ghillie. You were way more serious about this than we were. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Full ghillie suits uh, with a, I mean, there's nothing on my body that looked like a human. Yeah. So and for those who don't know, Gene, whenever he is doing any, it, this is something I've learned about Gene. Anytime he goes into a hobby, it always goes to 11. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I, I, I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. Cause I like to do things, you know, as well as I can and get up to speed as quickly as I can and not half acid. And the one thing that I learned very early on, probably in childhood is that that I don't want the equipment of whatever I'm doing to ever be the limiting factor. I want my skill to always be the limiting factor. And to do that, you have to make sure that you're using professional quality gear. Uh, you know, there are some times that I know my skill is not going to be up to par for th for that to be the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, but my skill is never up to... I mean, that's the point, is you always want to be competing against your skill. Your, your skill. Right. Not you don't want the equipment. equipment to be the limit. I got you. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I also, you know, I've got a Savage Access 2 308 down there. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, it's got a pencil barrel on it, and I wouldn't trust that gun out past 500 yards, right? But Really? I didn't think Savages were that bad, were they? Well, so it, it's just... Savage Arms? Uh, it, it's probably MOA and a half, is okay. what I would say. Okay. I mean, it, it's okay. It's not great, but it's not my Bagara. Yeah. You know, it's there, there's yeah. differences, and I can ex I can accept those differences. But it always seems like you. But you're, but you're keeping you know. that gun. Oh, absolutely. I you're don't sell guns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I'm sure I'm going to sell a few of the ones I've bought before too long here. Well, when you do, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now, the one I'd like to sell, and I've just been too lazy to that I need to move is a brand new never shot it's a mossberg 940 930 or 940 mm -hmm. it's the it's a semi-automatic mossberg mm -hmm. and it's the tactical version for police etc with the slide on top or with the the picatinny rail on top i've i bought it like i don't know eight years ago and you haven't ago. shot it i've never shot it once it's is because I had a Benelli that I always shot. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just always been sitting in the background. And then it's not even my defense gun. I, I have a very well worn and used a gun that I've shot thousands and thousands of runs through. That is a Winchester shotgun. That is my defense gun. Hmm. So this gun was always just sort of a. I don't know what I was thinking when I bought it. I'm sure what I was thinking was I would like to have another semi-auto and this gun had a pretty good reputation and it wasn't like, this is a thousand dollar gun. It's not a $2,000 gun. So I, I wanted something a little cheaper. So, but I've never shot it and I, I have no interest, I guess, in, in yeah. shooting it. I'd rather just get rid of it. My home defense gun that I have, the first shotgun that I have, is a 870 Wingmaster with the extended tube mm -hmm. and the 18-inch barrel. Yeah, the the thing, Remington's a good gun. The thing I don't like about it is the weight. It's too heavy. <laughs> it's a home defense gun. 
it's too heavy. It's this is where I think that the Winchester is the best compromise because the Winchester the the Winchester has parts that have a tendency to break on the Mossbergs, which are pure aluminum on the Mossbergs. On the Winchester, they're actually steel, mm-hmm. but the rest of the Remington gun is aluminum. Yep. The Remington is all steel. Yep. There's no aluminum on there. So exactly. it's a much, much heavier gun. Well, it, and when you run out of ammo, you then have a club to beat someone with. Well, fair enough. But my solution <laughs> is to just not run out of ammo by running the IWI Tavor shotgun with 15-round capacity. That's just nuts. That's nuts. I have yet to load 15 rounds in. I'm, I am somewhat <laughs> curious to see how heavy it gets with 15 rounds of lead. <laughs> it's going to be 12 it's, gauge. Well, it's an extra pound heavy. of lead, right? It's an extra <laughs> yeah. pound of lead, uh, yeah. basically, in ammo. You're adding a pound to the gun, but it's all very close to the body. It's 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 a you know a compact gun being a bullpup, so it's not sitting way out there, three feet away from you. That is one thing that's nice about bullpups is that center of gravity shifting. Yeah, but it's it's much further back. I think we've probably talked too much about guns on this episode, though. Is there such a thing as too much talk about guns? I don't know, man. That's... What else do we need to talk about other than guns? Let's see. I don't know. We talked about my snake. What well, else? Since we're calling this the just two good old boys, we need, we, we're going to have to get a Daisy Duke guns, at some point. Trucks? We need to talk about trucks? I don't know. What else? Have uh, you bought a truck really? <laughs> Would you like no. to buy a truck? You want to yeah, get a Suburban yeah. is what I hear. That's I well, yeah, that's, that. That, that's going to be a thing at some point when that's I have project, to actually upgrade vehicle. my truck. So for those who don't know, I've got an older F-150 that's been paid off for years, and it's just kind of getting nice there in miles. nice to have paid off vehicle? I love that uh, feeling. Th- dude, I love it. I, 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 yeah. I absolutely love it. I, you know, this is the only new vehicle I've ever purchased. The first mm-hmm. new vehicle I ever purchased was this truck that I'm in. And I said I'd never do it again. And then mm. a few years later, I went to get my wife something. And it was a 2017 that I bought in 2018 mm-hmm. in the first, you know, first quarter. It had 20 sure. miles on it, brand new. They gave us way off MSRP and even yeah, back when that was zero, a thing, 0% interest for five years. Fuck. Okay. At that so, point, you might as well get a loan. Exactly. No point in paying cash for it. <laughs> exactly. You give me zero percent. Shit. Yeah. So anyway, but I'm eventually gonna have to upgrade my truck or replace my truck because it's you yeah. know getting a, almost two hundred thousand miles on it. Oof. So when I do that, and I inevitably have to get a vehicle with Wait, way more computer in system. How many years? Seven. Seven years. Two hundred thousand. Oh my god! You drive no. way more than me. No, not it's not seven. It's I got it in 2013. So yeah. So nine. It's almost nine ten years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Nine years. That's a lot. I think well, the most I ever forth, put on man. a car is 140 and 10 is the most I ever put on yeah. in one vehicle. Well, I yeah. drive a lot. But so. yeah, there's nothing wrong with 150s. They, they've always been, you know, the, the Toyota Camry of trucks. I think they're <laughs> well, I, insult. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a Chevy family, but, you know, uh-huh. I had a Toyota. I had a Tundra before yep. this. And the Tundra was just here. too expensive. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the Tundra was too expensive. I didn't want to buy from Government Motors, and Ford made right. me a decent deal. So, 
Yeah. That's how that happened. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the project car, when I inevitably have to get a vehicle, my daily driver that's going to be, you know, too computerized for me to really want, I, I think I'm going to get like a early, early eighties, you know, non-fuel injected. So carbureted engine, like mm-hmm. three quarter ton suburban to make into a nice Mad Max vehicle. Yeah. And I, I, I love that idea. I think that's really cool. Hang on. Let me I, just tell this guy. Well, Thanks. For, well you're good to go. Okay. Well, Gene. All right, thank you. Have a good day. All right, there we go. I just told the delivery guy he's good to go. Through your ring doorbell? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> but I'm, I'm connected. What do you think I am? Oh. Luddite? Uh, I did, dude. Yeah. I, no, thank you. I would never the do ring, that. Look, every neighbor has a ring doorbell. We can all look at each other's stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, no. Screw that. <laughs> anyway, I even found a grill, you know, a brush guard that these guys are making out of AR500 steel. So oh, I thought you were going to say out of AR-15s. No, that it's would be AR- a cool looking brush guard, wouldn't it? Yeah, but AR-500 steel and the way it's set up, it'll still let, you know, air through, but it, it's it's yeah. meant to prevent someone from shooting at your vehicle, you know. Wait, yeah. what do you mean? Oh, I thought it was like a mesh. So it's not a mesh. It's actually solid. No, it's like angle iron overlapping, like to oh, actually Jesus protect your radiator. Yes. And they're making oh, it out of AR-500 so it's a, steel. It's a radiator protection plate. Got it. Yeah, I mean that's wild. It, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I've seen people also do a radiator a repositioning on those things just Where? to get them out of the underneath the engine. Why? Uh, because you know if you're dealing with cars that are going to be hitting you in the front, like for a, a demolition derby or something. I was going to say like if you're apprehending people, but sure, demolition derby works. Yeah, then then you don't really want the radiator, which is going to stop your engine if it gets damaged. Mm-hmm. to be so damn close to the front of the bumper. Gotcha. For yeah. sure. Now, now, well, now, back in the olden days, like the 70s, mm-hmm. there was a good, like, two feet between the radiator and the bumper because the cars were so long. Well, you know, this is, like I said, I'm looking at an early 80s Suburban, so it's yeah, not, I yeah, there would be plenty of, p- plenty of base space. They were. Anyway, we we had one when I was growing too. up, and it was okay. a diesel. had uh, had the uh, two fuel tanks, unusual, so you could switch back and forth. Yeah, I remember that dual fuel tank setup, but not on a yeah. diesel on a on a gasoline. And, and one. for those of you that are not old enough to understand this, the headlight switch, you, you your high beams, low beams, used to be a mm-hmm. pedal. Yeah, a little little tiny little pedal. Yep, it was kind of what was it? It was kind of like shaped like a. What is that shape? A circle. The uh, ones I'm remembering were like well, a round push-up, push-down button. It was it. It was about two inches long with about a one-inch diameter. Yeah. So it was, I would. I mean, calling it a pedal is kind of a stretch. It's really a foot switch. <laughs> more than the okay, pedal. a foot switch. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's it's like a guitar foot switch more, yeah. but like a fat fat ass guitar switch. That's what I would call it. Like a like if you take a guitar foot pedal switch the round one, and you blow it up to an inch in diameter, that's kind of what it looked like. Anyway, so that. that's going to be the, that's the ideal project car. For Talk, keep talking you know, about your next. car. I'm just going to sneak out and grab my food. Keep talking. <laughs> While Gene sneaks out, we can now conversate amongst ourselves uninterrupted. Anyway, the whole idea is just to have something that I know I can work on and that isn't dependent upon technology. And, you know, if I go with a carbureted gas engine, if I want to, drive it off of gasification or something like that, I could. 
So the whole idea is a zombie apocalypse, Mad Max scenario type thing. I don't know how long Gene's going to take. Riveting radio. Gene orders food. Uh, he should have his own podcast for that one. Oh, by the way, we did talk and we might have a special guest here in the next couple of weeks on the podcast. I'll wait till Gene gets back to see if it's okay to announce, but you know, it, it might be more than just Gene and I here pretty quick just for an episode, but All right, yeah, what kind of lies are you telling? Oh, I was just saying that uh, we might have a guest on. Oh yeah. Well, we hopefully will have quite a few guests over time. Right, but one specifically. So, uh, which which one? Your buddy, Hell Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tucker Max, he'll he'll be on. We just have to have to find the right time when he's available. Yeah. So for those of you who are keeping track, we're poaching guests from Tim Pool. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a few other people I wouldn't mind getting on, but I think we need to establish a few episodes first. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, realistically, we have established episodes, but I agree. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean though. Yeah, yeah. So, so when uh, somebody goes to the website and the podcast, they're like, "What episode zero? <laughs> well, we'll have to, you know, pre- we'll have to put in the RSS feed some of the old ones or something. Which, by the way, yeah. who are, who who did you select for hosting? We haven't even talked about any of that. We haven't talked about any of that stuff. No, I don't know. I could just go with all the same guys I'm using. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of inside baseball, but. Maybe people are curious or interested as well. So I use something Sprout. Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout. Yeah, I use Buzzsprout. They are about 20 bucks a month, Mm -hmm. which is, eh, it's pretty average, I think. Okay. But they have all the podcasting 2.0 features built in. Yep. They've been, they've been pretty on the ball from what the, the board meeting has said. Yeah. Yeah, they were, and I, and like I've talked, I interviewed the uh, the CEO of the company back when I was doing my interview shows on Sir Gene Speaks. So they're Which still, you'll be going back to. Possibly. I'll be doing something. I'm not sure exactly what, though. <laughs> anyway, and then for editing, I use Discord, which is, what I like about it is it, it does the text-to-speech and then lets you edit through the speech. So mm. like you can select a sentence or some words or whatever, mm-hmm. and then, you know, cut them, delete them or move them around, copy, paste, whatever. And you then stop using update. the script, right? No, I'm still using it. That's what I'm saying. Well, what I, what okay. I stopped doing is recording in the script. Gotcha. So the bug that I found, which nobody else seems to have, they, they haven't had anybody else report it. They've worked with me for about three months trying to replicate it and they couldn't replicate it. Their best conclusion was it may have something to do with my Motu, but I don't know. Why would it have anything to do with your Motu? There might be some timeout event happening to where the app doesn't get a response back from the Motu fast enough. And it just like Mm -hmm. decides that the interface shut off and stops recording. That's again, this is just, Somewhat just an assumption based on what it could be from them. Mm-hmm. Not not that we've tracked it down to this. Okay. Uh, cool, man. Any so that's like another 20 bucks a month. Yeah. Well, then, we'll um, have to set up, set up some, you know, Bitcoin nodes and stuff like that. 
Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. So Bitcoin nodes 20 bucks a month. Why is a Bitcoin node, node costing you 20 bucks a month? Oh, yeah, yeah. Month? If you want to do it yourself, you could do it for free. No, I, I just pay for one. But I why? A, a why not? Cloud based one. So I'm actually losing money every month. <laughs> but why 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 pay for a cloud based one? Why not if you're gonna be in the cloud anyway, why not just go custodial with Coinbase or someone like that? I mean that's essentially what I'm doing, but Coinbase I don't think offers a SAT or a, what what I'm paying for isn't the Bitcoin one. It's it's mm-hmm. the, uh, the sure. SAT the lightning. Yeah. yeah, the lightning node. Yeah, yeah. Which you could set up. And I did set up that on my on my uh, Synology, my uh, NAS. NAS before it died. Mm. And then that, that went away. And that, that was a good reason for not using it on NAS. <laughs> Indeed. Is even well, with failover drives, I still end up losing data. Well, that's because you didn't respond to the initial failure. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the part of it that I hadn't <laughs> thought about. Yeah, I actually I just went log through... In. I just went through and upgraded my NAS. I've had these okay. drives sitting around for a long time, but I got to thinking, you know, the drives in that NAS have been continually operating for... For years. Yeah, probably probably six, seven years. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I went through and I failed them all over and slowly mm-hmm. rebuilt the right away, failed it over, rebuilt the right away. That's anyway, a great built idea. it up. Yeah, anyway, so just put new drives in it, refreshed it, so that's good. And then I've got a Nook that was a kitchen computer at, at the house in Franklin where, you know, just a, we had a, I had a monitor and the, the computer was actually mounted behind the monitor and sure. someone could look up recipes or add to the grocery list, that sort of thing. I've got an iPad for that. Yep. Yeah. And since, since then we've all moved on with technology and the what changed the way we use it. So I've got it running an Ubuntu distro that I'm trying to get Umbral on, which mm. The mm-hmm. Umbral guys are so focused on the Raspberry Pi thing that they, if you're running a real operating system on real hardware, it's way more difficult than than they should make it. Like there's conflicts with the Docker version that they're using and all sorts of things. Guess so, what I'm drinking right now? Yogurt drink. Very good. Good guess. Yes, I'm drinking a yogurt drink. Anyway, <laughs> so once I get that up and going which i just haven't had time to spend much yeah, time on. I'm, I'm all for you setting up shit that we don't have to pay for on your own okay. i just i'm not gonna do it but i would love to have you do it all right well so we'll do so yeah what else what else we got anything else going on i mean ukraine seems to be winding down from what i've seen it looks like we're getting closer to i think well, the way it's going to end is Zelensky is going to end up uh, getting kicked out of office. Yeah, we did we talk about Zaporozhia? Yeah, a little bit, was, briefly. Look, yeah. So uh, I, I couldn't remember if that was before we started recording or after, but mm-hmm. no, I mean, with, I don't know if he's going to get kicked out of office or, you know, assassinated. No, I don't think he'll get an assassinated. Okay, I don't know. Russia, Russia will do everything it can to make sure he doesn't get assassinated. Well, I wasn't suggesting that Russia was going to be the ones assassinating him. I think no, but they're going people. to threaten anybody that even thinks of assassinating him with imminent death. Oh, come on now, Gene. What? I'm just joking around. It's... No, because they need him to stand trial. I, do you think he will? No, I think he's going to be in Florida at his house. 
Okay, well, I, and he you know, he owns a pretty substantial mansion in Florida. Well, you heard about the uh, him renting his house in Italy, right? He's got a lot of houses around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's a Russian couple. Yeah, yes, <laughs> for for mm-hmm. fifty thousand a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something yep. insane, and he's renting it to Russians. It's <laughs> hilarious. For that house, that's not actually a bad price. I haven't seen the house. I, I just find the entire irony of he is fighting the evil Russians and yet he's mm-hmm. doing the personal business with them. It's well, I'm it, sure it, his it's one of those things. Managers doing business personal. Well, business. And, and and absolutely, and you know the he he. I it would be real easy to say, oh well, that he's not renting to Putin's family or something. <laughs> and but you know, it, it's just the optics of it. The optics of it is just hilarious, and not saying that he shouldn't or Here's anything the like that. It's just funny. optics issue. I think is that he's telling Europe that they need to do whatever they can, including cold winter without heat, in order to help him fight Russia. While he is making money right now off Russians mm-hmm. himself personally, because that's better than letting the house sit empty. Well, and the interesting, the, one of the interesting things of all this is that there is, there's one report out there that says mm-hmm. up to one in six businesses in the UK could go belly up because of the increased energy costs this winter. One in six businesses or bars? Uh, bars. You're right. It was bars. Yeah. It was pubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which makes total sense because everybody in the UK is an alcoholic. And so they pretty much spend their entire days after work sitting in a pub. And so those pubs use a lot of electricity to keep the beer. Well, I guess they don't cool it, do they? I was going to say to keep the beer cold, but they don't really cool their beer. So maybe they don't use that much electricity after all, in retrospect. American I, I think bars it's more the would. lighting and everything else. You know, sure. Electric yeah. heat, so on and so forth. Anyway, it, it's just insane that they're going through and bankrupt. We are bankrupting our own countries mm-hmm. for no good reason. For no good um, reason at all. And here's yeah. another thing that's, I, I I guess I'm not surprised it's not being picked up on, because but it's not that subtle, is you have all these European types making speeches talking about how Russia is weaponizing fuel. They're weaponizing <laughs> petroleum. They're weaponizing natural gas. Okay, hold on. Are not sanctions on thousands of items a weaponization of politics? I mean, how can you say Russia is weaponizing fuel when you guys literally have canceled thousands upon thousands of businesses being able to buy and sell across the borders? Yep. Well, and... Recently, in that, Gazprom just cut off Engie, which is mm-hmm. French power company, for non-payment. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Isn't it surprising they waited that long, though? Well, I mean, I don't know when the non-payment occurred, so I, I'm assuming this is because they won't payment in rubles, so. No, I get that, but I mean, I think it was a shock to a lot of people that Russia didn't immediately cut off all energy supplies to Europe. Once well, it would have been countries... a declaration of war on Europe. No, it would. How is that a declaration of war? So you U.S. not because selling the inter- on it. Okay, yes, so it's going to be a declaration of war if the next Republican president doesn't sell food to China. 
if we were if China was dependent on us to feed their population, which they are, they buy would. American grain. They're not dependent though; they have enough of an agricultural sector themselves. They're on the verge of starvation right now. Yeah. Okay. Why? I mean, that's not a reason to go to war. If somebody breaks a a trade agreement, that's not a reason to go to war. Wars have started over resources in the past and over similar agreements. They have, but I mean, that's not legitimate. It's it's ridiculous. If that was the case, then Russia really has all rights to declare war against the U.S. and all of Europe for the sanctions. How are sanctions any different? I than go, what think they describing? do. I think the sanctions are absolutely a act of war. Well, okay. I I don't I don't know if I would go that far myself. I think sanctions is something that. Much like every private business can decide who they sell their products to, every country can decide who they sell their products to as well. So I don't really have a problem with sanctions. They mostly hurt that country's manufacturing base. Mm. But, you know, it's certainly their right to do it. Well, I think businesses choosing not to sell or something, that's that's different than a government saying you cannot sell or you cannot buy from well, I, I agree. I think it's it is definitely anti-libertarian type action, but but I don't see that like there are certain actions that I can see as being declarations of war, but saying we're not going to sell you this liverwurst anymore is not one of those. Okay, but here's the here's the situation in Europe and why it could be an act of war. Europe is dependent upon Russian gas. They literally can that is their is that? fault. But mm-hmm. if you if you starve people, put people in the cold and dark, or you have a 10x increase in your energy costs, people are not going to take that lightly. Right. Well, I, they won't take that lightly, but I don't think that's a legitimate declaration of war. That like so if if I th- uh, I'm not saying it's a legitimate declaration of war. Saudi I'm saying Arabia, it's a reason that let me let me may lead that. countries to war. When Saudi Arabia stops selling gas to the U.S., stops selling oil, and because they they've got a new contract with China that's much better, is that going to be sufficient reason for the U.S. then to go and invade Saudi Arabia? No, but we're not dependent on Saudi Arabian oil, aren't we? No, we have the ability to pump as much I oil as we need so. right here. No, yeah. no. Well, we may have the oil in the ground, but we don't have the ability because it's illegal. Well, it's not necessarily illegal, but Biden has definitely shut down well, the permitting that process. Makes it illegal, then, doesn't that? Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, you can't be pumping oil without a permit, and you can't get a permit because they're not <laughs> well, granting it. If you own the land or have an agreement like with the, the landowner, the, the the Beverly Hillbillies just shoot a shotgun to the ground, and the oil just <laughs> yeah, sprouts that, out that, of there. That, that's how that works in that's Tennessee. They were in Arkansas, I thought. No, they weren't in Arkansas. No, it was either Tennessee or North Carolina. It was one of those two. Definitely not in Arkansas. Uh, uh. But either way, that shooting a shotgun into the ground and the oil just coming out of there, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. But can you imagine building a, a anything anywhere near so little actual ground that you're basically sitting on top of oil, which is really a tar pit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not not like people don't know what we're talking about. If you ever watched the opening credits of the, the old 1960s Beverly, yes. show Beverly Hillbillies, black and white show, had some pretty good funny comedy starring Buddy Epson, I believe, yeah, and the cl- Clampets. Yep that that show 
basically put a hillbilly family living in Beverly Hills with all their hillbilly thoughts and mm -hmm. uh, lots and lots of money derived from oil being found on their property. Yeah. And then they just kind of nebulously don't really explain why they ended up moving after finding that oil. So it says the Ozark Mountains. So definitely could be Arkansas. I'm pretty sure that it's not Arkansas, though. It says uh -huh. Ozark? Where, where are you looking at Wikipedia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't anyway, say where they... It's, it's hilarious because Granny is definitely my mom. <laughs> You're kidding. Really? No. It's so my mom in so many ways. Hmm. Shit, you're right. Maybe it is Arkansas. I didn't think it was Arkansas. They, there's a city I thought that was in, in North Carolina that had them as like it was supposedly where they lived. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's still a good mm. show. It's a good show. It's well, no, it, 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 it is it's funny. funny and worth going back and watching. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And well, even the even the movie reruns. with even the movie with Ernest is pretty good. With who? The guy who played Ernest. You, they did a movie with him. Yeah, they made a Beverly Hillbillies movie. He played Jeb. Oh wow! Oh, it's in public domain. So literally, you're allowed to pirate it. Cool. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Huh? I, I'm kind of surprised that CBS let that happen. Right? Oh, they neglected to renew their copyright. <laughs> they forgot about it. Yeah. Wow, that's I mean, wild. I, I would think they would still have the copyright from the movie, though. The movie they might, but not from the... Uh... Yeah, yeah hmm. 1993. Well, it would make more sense that they would be in... That they would be in Oklahoma or Arkansas or someplace. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, like, from a oil standpoint... Yes. But I thought for sure they were in that, like the the mountains. <laughs> their their house in uh, so their Beverly he, Hills hey, house. Hey, hey I got it right now. Million. So the the Beverly Hillbillies film Wikipedia clearly states that mm -hmm. a hillbilly a hillbilly of humble station from mm -hmm. Arkansas. Arkansas. Damn. Okay. Clearly states it. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's uh, not what I remember, but fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. So their their Beverly Hills home, which isn't actually in Beverly Hills, just sold for two hundred million. Where was it? Bel Air. Oh. So that's cool. Yeah. That was a fun show. I enjoyed watching it. They had phrases like the cement pond, which was a swimming pool, and then of course, what was the daughter's name? Ellie Mae Clampett. Mm -hmm. You know, she was like the the, the tomboy <laughs> girl who didn't realize how hot she was. Yep. 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 And she was very proportionate. And then Jethro, the uh, idiot. The, the idiot who thinks he's a genius. Yes. Because he finished yeah. the fourth grade. Yep. yep. He's yeah. got all the education. Yeah, he's got he's full of education, more than anybody else in that family. Yeah. And then the, the grandma character was great because she's like very traditional, but also very much the head of the household. <laughs> She'd chase around everybody else with a broom if they're not doing something she wants them to do. Yeah, always or cooking they're late for them, coming though. to coming to yeah. supper. Yeah, and the eating the e eating supper at the pool table. Yep, yep. Literally on a pool table. <laughs> well, yeah, it's that's uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. it, it was an interesting, interesting, and then it had the first gay character, the first lesbian in it. Who? The the banker's assistant. What was her name? How was she the first? She was clearly a lesbian. Everybody knew she was a lesbian, dude. Hathaway, Mrs. Hathaway, Miss Hathaway. 
He's totally a lesbian. Uh, yeah, one of the subplots is the bankers always trying to make sure it, the they they keep their money with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, she she had short hair. So if you have short hair, you're clearly a lesbian. That's that's kind of a shorthand. Yeah, you didn't know <laughs> that. You just finding this out at this stage in your life. No, I, I just the I I have known chicks with short hair that are uh-huh. not lesbians. You sure about that? Yes. They're projecting. They're projecting their true feelings and desires. <laughs> Look, I've known guys that are married uh-huh. that have a very distinct lisp and use their <laughs> hands a lot. Uh-huh. And while they may not be, you know, engaging in activities of monkeypox, <laughs> nonetheless, uh-huh. if you were to put dollars to donuts, they're gay. Yeah. So not that there's it, anything wrong with that. Yeah. I saw a hilarious meme around monkeypox talking about the origins, and it was a picture of Michael Jackson and Bubbles. Hey, now. <laughs> Bubbles yeah. was always, he's a very clean mm-hmm. monkey. He was used to condom. It, you're just ignorant. Mm-hmm. Ignorant. I really feel like we got we got robbed by him dying so early. Because there's so many unanswered questions there. Oh, absolutely. Not to well, mention and, they stole his musical catalog. And there's no doubt that he was abused. Oh, dude, no doubt at all. Guaranteed. It's just a question of by how many people. Yeah. You know, you don't get a voice like that by not being abused. Well, well. You know, every every dude with a high-pitched voice, you know what that means. What? It was diddled. Well, he was young. Yeah. That are castrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that yeah, okay. That's that's an extreme version of that category. I don't think we we. Well, I was going to say we don't do that anymore, but we kind of do these days more than ever, don't we? We castrate young boys and turn them into girls, and even more, yeah, more girls into boys now, which is just so. That has to be mass hysteria, social contagion. It really does for the. It, for the percentage increase, if you look at the well, that's, graphs. That definitely parallels the experiment with the uh, Utopia rat experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where given everything that the rats could possibly want, they start acting in a deviant manner. And deviant is not negative. It's like there's no connotation. It's just different, non-standard. Mm-hmm. Like for no particular reason, there's not a causal relationship other than the fact that they're provided a utopian type lifestyle that all of a sudden more rats start doing things that cause self harm. Well, and you know, we have these did doctors, I say rats? I meant people. Yeah. We have these doctors that are, I mean, there's one doctor that this advertising on TikTok, and people are these Poor girls are getting top surgery, double mastectomies mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. seven months of being on testosterone. And it's just insanity. And they can go get t- onto testosterone willy-nilly. There is no counseling. There is no making damn sure, you know, of what's going on here the way mm-hmm. we used to handle gender dysphoria. dysphoria. You, psychologists oh, yeah. and therapists can't even question if – to question anything is to just do such harm, you know, and it's, it's insanity. It's insanity. Mm-hmm. 
the only silver lining is that these people will not reproduce. Well, it's tragic. It is tragic. It is tragic. That's why I said silver lining, not yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you can think of the gene pool all you want, but I think there are a lot of confused kids out there that are sterilizing themselves that may end you up mean regretting their parents it later are on sterilizing them. Well, I mean... <laughs> Kid isn't going to be able to pay for that surgery, dude. It's the parents. Believe me. I understand, but, you know, it's... It, it's just, it's, it's sad. That's all. I, I, you know, if someone really is gender dysphoric and they want to do that to themselves, then that's fine. You know, and I have, I, I don't care what one adult does to their body. You can do mm -hmm. anything you want. I don't care. The problem I have with it is kids and the speed at which decisions are being made that are irreparable. Yeah. Yeah. There's detransitioning doesn't get you back to your normal state. It gets well, you back to a different state than the transition state. Well, and you know, the thing is the stories of detransitioners aren't put out there. They're not talked about. They're not pushed. So, you know, unless you really hunt for it and find it on a forum somewhere, you're probably not going to hear many stories about detransitioning as a kid, well, which is in the good old days, scary. You wouldn't find any stories of transitioning either. Exactly. Nowadays, it's popping up everywhere. And, you know, like, what's the guy, Buck, whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. and Buck Angel. Bo I've yeah, met Buck, Buck a bunch Angel. of times. So Buck Angel, Blair White, they're people who you know, probably was the right decision for them. Probably was a good decision for them. They also call it what it is, which is gender dysphoria. They've been diagnosed with it. Yes. They I mean, took they, their they, time. they considered it a medical illness. Blair White and certainly Buck don't argue that this is not a mental illness. It is a mental illness. It is your brain being out of alignment with what you're actually are. Mm-hmm. So, and I, again, I think that of the people that truly want to become transsexual, the ones that see it as that type of real life, they do everything they can to become a person of the opposite sex because that's what's normal to them. But we have this whole other category right now, and I, I don't want to necessarily say it's purely by fad, but it sure seems like it is. Of people that want to change nothing or change very little and then simply expect everybody else around them to act as though they had completely changed into the opposite sex. And that's that to me is the, the, the societal collapse part of this. Well, regardless, I, 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 I think it's, again, if it's the right decision for you and you're making that decision as an adult, and I hope you'd get some counseling, but even if you don't, as an adult, that's one thing. But mm -hmm. when doctors are willing to mutilate teenagers. Yeah, this should not be know, happening just, to anybody that's a teenager at all. It is. And, and with faster and faster rapidity. So I don't know. And it's, younger age. I think they're starting to do it at nine years old now. Yep. So there was one of the clinics, I forget which clinic, that mm -hmm. was talking about gender-affirming surgical care for seven-year-olds. Oh, my God. They don't even know what a gender is at that age. No, they have no clue. 
you know, and they're barely sentient. And the sad thing is, this is parents at that age. That's Mm -hmm. the parent projecting onto the kid. Oh, yeah. Not the kid. That are, that are the parents of really fucked up the kid and shared way too many things that are age inappropriate. I don't know that you can't even fuck up a kid. I mean, there's always been bad parents, but it didn't result in kids wanting to get sexual reassignment. I think it's, it's 99% parents, 1% maybe not parents. Yeah. Well, it's anyway. parents who would rather have somebody of the opposite sex. Yeah. It's, it's astonishing to me. Mm-hmm. By the way, that ad we played a couple episodes ago about mm-hmm. the, what a, that, that's a family in Denton. I didn't realize this, but that's a family in Denton, Texas. And she runs for city council apparently all the time. Which and ad remind me? The meet a trans kid or whatever ad. Oh. We oh, yeah. played it on a show a while back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. They uh, they go to a very interesting liberal church. That hmm. when you look at the church's services and everything else, it it wow. I mean, they they openly invite Satanists and everybody else there. So that's interesting. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you want to invite Satanists? Why wouldn't you want to invite somebody you can convert? That that's not what I'm meaning. Like to speak. I don't know. I mean, it's, um, I don't think all churches are conservative. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case. By I, they're not. <laughs> no. This is a very good example of a very woke. There's, there's a ton of, well, like BLM, for example, that mm-hmm. basically is a church. Yeah. You know, they're selling a religion and very far from a conservative. Yeah. The, I'm, there are very liberal churches, and you know, I would just not choose to go to one. But anyway, this is just yeah. an interesting aside. Anyway, are we done? What, what else I think is going on? Anything else? We're no. Done? You know, this show is always like a sandwich. We get some real serious topics up front. We usually talk about guns, do something else, and then we go back to a serious topic. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good. So this has been episode zero. We should have the theme music and a bunch of other stuff by the next show. So hopefully hopefully y'all enjoyed this new, well, it's not really that new a format. I was going to say this new format. It's mostly the same format, but in a different package. All righty, Gene. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 